welcome back to the Mountain People podcast with me, your host, Andy Cave. Have a listen to what's in store. I'm head of design. Basically, I help the design team to provide, to create the best gear to enjoy the time up on the mountain. According to the region where you live, you have different way of wearing your clothes. We work two years ahead of the season. So this is a huge gamble because already now we decide the color for the summer 25. In this episode, we dive into backcountry skiing and ski touring safety with Giacomo Buffacci. Giacomo was born and raised in Cormier, beneath Monte Bianco. He is now head of design at Rab and Loalpine. Giacomo shares his personal journey, starting out skiing as a child and then climbing. He climbed the 4,000 meter peak Dont de Gion together with his father when just 13 years old. Later, he became a mountain guide and joined a local mountain rescue team. We chat about the best mindset and the necessary preparation before a trip and the decision-making process on the adventure itself. The need to continually check in on the team, the terrain, and of course, the conditions. We discussed the useful apps available today, as well as the importance of local knowledge. What are the common hazards early in the season versus later in the year? What is the standard avalanche safety kit to carry before skiing off-piste? We also talk more generally about equipment and of course as a designer he's well qualified to speak on clothing for skiing. Jacko great to see you um how old how old were you when you started skiing can you even remember? Oh my god no I don't remember I have a super cool picture of me with a pair of jeans in front of the slope in the house you know a small uh, garden slope I think maybe I was around maybe two something like that and and then of course and then I think I joined the ski club around six or six years old stuff like this and before that I was skiing with my mom and my dad. Yeah, and your dad was a ski teacher, is that right? Yes, still, still keep strong and uh, skiing every day. Amazing! Almost. How yeah? How how old is he? He's seventy six. He will turn now seventy six. Fantastic. You know, he's uh, yeah, he's really passionate about ski and uh, it's nice. It's good for my mom as well. At least she can get some break during the winter when he's yeah. up. <laughs> that must be amazing for you to, if you go home and you ski with your dad. Yeah. Yes. Even if uh, yeah, it's quite hard because we are both really competitive. And, oh really? Uh, oh my god! Yes. Too much. <laughs> uh, my mom she knows always always so worried when we go skiing together because you know but now of course we just more enjoy spend time together on the slope fantastic and i believe that your first alpine peak was with your father a four thousand yeah. meter your first yeah. four thousand meter peak my first i was 13 13 14 uh down in jail yeah which is summer. not not, yeah. not an easy four thousand meter peak no, it was not actually, but uh, it's been amazing. I still remember at the time, uh, I'm sure that you remember, it was the summer ski in Elbronner. That's it right, was open yeah. during the summertime. For this, I used to training all the summer with the ski club. Uh, and one day my dad, he said, okay, tomorrow, you, if you want, we go up to Don du Géant. You can skip the ski train and then go up. And I remember I took the same cable car with all my mates from the ski club, but instead of wearing or having my ski with me, I had my Isaacs and my bag. I was so proud. 
And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, oh my God, it's still one of the best memories that I have. I was so proud, so scary, I remember. <laughs> oh, but it was super beautiful to spend this day up on the mountain with my dad. Yeah, and, I, uh, I guess yeah. it's interesting that, isn't it? Sometimes if people are only skiers and they go climbing and suddenly sometimes when I've had clients and you get the ropes out, this is quite yeah. unusual for them. Mm-hmm. But then obviously the other way, you have uh, somebody who's a great climber and they're suddenly stood on a steep slope with the skis. And for them, this feels it, it's it's interesting, the different mindset. Yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. But, you know, I, I, I mean, ski has been a huge part of my life, but I never really wished to become a super strong alpine skier. I knew that uh, I want to be a mountain guy. This was my dream when I was a child. I still remember I did this uh, drawing when I was in the school, me with, the, you know, the typical uh, mountain guide uniform for the Fedeguide with the hat and stuff like this. I drew myself like this. And I still have the drawing because my mom saved. And then actually when I uh, become a mountain guide, she gave me the draw. Do you remember that? And it's still in a frame to my parents' house. It's so nice. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a wonderful story. And so yeah. you always, you, you've always been interested in going backcountry, ski touring, the wild places. And I suppose that was the attraction of becoming a mountain guide because the, when the clients hire you, obviously they're not hiring you to ski on the piste. They yeah. want to go to these wild places. So in a way, you're the person that, makes their dreams come true yes this is true actually these uh for this i used to say that uh, when i was guiding and you still guiding we had the best work in the world you know now i'm at the best work in the world create some product for you to enjoy the nature uh but yes with the client has been really nice but there's also a lot of um, time to know each other I think I was uh, really lucky that I used to build a long relationship with my clients. Uh, it's different when you get uh, every single day new client from the guide office. You know, you don't have time to educate them, to really try to share your passion and to teach them also the love for the mountain or how to respect the mountain, how to move up on the mountain. For this, I was, like I said, lucky enough to have my private clients and start from almost just this basic ski of this around Kumayur and then travel around the world and found amazing place together. Uh, for this, I mean, it's been super nice also to see that uh, in the end, your clients, they don't want uh, just to check some uh, famous peak because it's famous. They rely on you. If you say, okay, you know what, let's go in this uh, super remote valley no one here about uh, the mountain maybe is not even 4000 meter but it's so beautiful and they really enjoy i think this is where you are can achieve your uh, job your uh yeah, you're, you're very... mountain guide. yes you know yeah so it's um... it's interesting because i think sometimes people think that maybe a mountain guide is somebody who only stays in one place and becomes like a real expert in this you know in the runs and of course you it's good to know that for bad weather mm-hmm. days and to know mm-hmm. like for example you in Cormayer or Chamonix you know it quite well um but you like to go to other places as well I guess one of the things is that as a guide 
we're in a good position because we often know people if we're going to a valley for the first time mm. and you're able to contact people and find out um, yeah. you know, about conditions. How important is that? Uh, it's uh, super important. And actually, you touch a really nice topic because you and I, we already chat about that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's really important for me in the past to go out from my comfort area outside yeah. Pumayar because when you used to work every single day on the same environment, then one way you start to get in a routine and to get in a routine is really dangerous in my opinion because yeah. then you start to get less ready for big things because, you know, example, Valle Blanche okay, or Mont Blanc, I remember you start the season with 60-meter rope, uh, X number of carabiner, high screw, and then after two, three times, oh, I will take only 10-meter rope because there is not a big crevice. Yeah. I only take six millimeters, so one carabiner is enough. When you start traveling around and you don't know where to go, then you need to make your search, you need to study new maps, you need to contact some local mountain guide. That I think this is really important as to create also a community. I mean, uh, of course, you can find everything on the internet right now, but you don't really know who is behind the keyboard and writing, writing down the information. Can you believe on what they said or not? You know, uh, I think, uh, especially now, everyone is a hero behind the screen. You sure. know, but uh, I doubt a lot all the information on the internet. I prefer to call you. Okay, Andy, I know that you've been in... Uh, Courmayeur yesterday or Courchevel, how is the condition? Can you give me some tips? And then he creates also a really nice uh, uh, relationship and uh, sharing information, I think, is a key for the job as a mountain yeah. guide. Uh, you know, I remember when I used traveling, I always went to the local mountain guide office, present myself and say, okay, sorry, I'm here. There is any one that I can talk and uh, get some information about the mountain. Maybe you have a coffee together. And then it's so nice when finally someone comes to your valley and they call you and then you're more than happy to share your information. You know, we want uh, the best for all the guys around for this. So I was, I was thinking, if I was thinking it in my brain in like three parts, so knowing the group, your, the friends you're with, or in your case, our case, the clients, and the fact that you're able to work with people for a long time, that's so important. So, you know, you can tune in how people are feeling, how fit they are, um, what sort of day they want. Maybe they're tired on at the end of the week. And then, of course, separate to that, there's the local knowledge. So we, we all know in certain valleys there are black spots where there have been many accidents. And if if somebody can tell you about those before you ski there, that's incredibly useful. Yes. And then in, in terms of conditions – which are changing all the time. I wanted you to, if we think about a season, um, yeah. you know, how the snow changes from the early season to later yeah. in the season. And how do you normally, as well as speaking to people on the ground, um, how do you get all the knowledge you need mm -hmm. about the snow? I guess a lot of it is being out there day to day, yeah. but you're probably also interested in what's been happening before the last few weeks, right? Oh my God, this is uh, really crucial as well, especially when, uh, you know, maybe in your valley, it was perfect Sunday, no problem. And then on the valley just behind you has been windy and crusty, you know, since the wind is the big uh, factor for changing the snow. You never know if you don't live there for this. 
this is why it's really important to get the knowledge. But also things then is uh, also your experience, spending a lot of times up on the mountain to start to know how to read the snow, how to read the valley and to see some, what do you say, flags around the mountain that they can help you to take some good decision for the day. Uh, but I think what is really important is to manage to say no and to say no to the clients. And this is also where if you used to educate your clients in a good way, even if it's a blue sky, perfect day, and you say, sorry, no, we cancel this day, we go to another valley for XXX, they trust you. They know that, okay, if you say that is a no, the good day, I trust him 100%. Sometimes, you know, when you have a client that you never met, and then you say, sorry, no, we cannot go there. And then they say, ah, but you know, I saw another mountain guy went there. And, and then, you know, yeah. you start to doubt yourself. Did I take the right decision, wrong decision? And then perhaps they push you a little bit too much. And then maybe you end up even in trouble. So these are things. It's also important really to get your feeling inside you. And this, you, I think you will get this only with experience and spending days outside in the mountain. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So, so much <clears throat> what, what, what's going on in your mind, obviously, is, 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 is trying to help you make good decisions. Mm. And we know that in skiing that you make decisions and they can be very committing. So the night before, thinking about everything, the weather, the conditions, mm. speaking to uh, other skiers, to try and even decide where to go skiing the following day mm. then once you arrive in the place to ski or to ski tour or backcountry ski mm. it's it's getting those signs so you're maybe skinning up towards a hut and you mm. you have mm. the information from uh the weather but you you're looking at what's on the ground how is it different to what i've been told it's, yeah. it's a different yeah. day uh and yeah. a different aspect or a different altitude on the mountain, the snow can be completely different. So you're always learning, aren't you? Always learning, always calculate risk, always look around. I mean, uh, I don't know how many times, I mean, when you go, everyone think, oh my God, you have, of course we have the best job in the world to be in the nature all the time. But uh, I think all the time when I went out with the clients, they don't know what's going on in my mind, how much, Calculate because I can share everything that crossed my mind. Okay, oh, this is really dangerous. We should not go there. Oh my God, there is an avalanche there because otherwise they panic and you don't want to transfer your stress to them. But inside your brain is dark. I remember, I don't know how many times, you know, you ski and then you realize that you didn't even lock your buckle of the, the, the boots because you are still looking around. Okay, oh my God, I need to stop here. You need just to go there. Uh, we need to be faster there. The sun it turn on this direction. and start to warm up the slope. We are a little bit too late. I, I mean, oh my God! If we can calculate all the information yeah. that is going through our brain during this day, is uh, crazy. And this is also why some people they put their life in your hand because they I want just to enjoy. Be sure that I spend a great day in the mountain and. Basically, this is what we want to do for them. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, when I when I started skiing and then working as a guide, um, I was from a, an alpine climbing background, and you know, um, not always, but often on a climb, 
you can retreat. You know, you, you think it's not mm-hmm. in good conditions, but with the skiing, um, you you decide to to drop into a couloir. Yeah, it's very difficult to turn around. So yeah. the reason you have to make all these decisions is because it's so much is yeah. uh, resting on this decision for the rest of the day and the safety of the group. And I was thinking about well decisions. Um, Sometimes you're thinking quite quickly, thinking fast, thinking slow. There's a famous book about that. And somebody, a friend of mine was saying that in in the Valet, local guides there were talking about thinking hot and thinking cold. And almost sometimes you have to stay calm and take your time, maybe dig a snow pit, check mm-hmm. how the structure of the snow is, uh, not rush the decision, um, yeah. you know. Yeah. And unfortunately, now is a lot of rushing decision going on because I think, uh, I don't know, it's a big topic, but uh, first of all, there is uh, everyone is capable to ski off-piste much easier than not uh, 20 years ago because the equipment helped everyone to enjoy the time outside. Uh, a lot of people, they don't have the time. Maybe they book these two days or this weekend to go ski off-piste. For yeah. instance, I want to ski off-piste. I only have these two days, bring me outside. And uh, sometimes it's hard for them to decide, no, I pay, why I should not ski, you know? And um, yeah, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And like you say, when you drop inside a couloir, you have to take all your decision before to jump inside. But the problem is that sometimes maybe you're in the middle of a couloir and another group come from the top and maybe they will not take the same decision that you take maybe i stay on this side of the couloir because on the left there is some uh, part that i'm staying. and if you're on the middle of the couloir and someone make a mistake on the top of you yeah you know for this you know even sometimes Absolutely. if you take all the right decision there is always a third factor that you cannot calculate yeah yeah no absolutely that's absolutely right and then the other thing about you know, uh, he's, he's skiing in control. So, you know, there's a lot of movies out there where people are skiing really fast. And so the thing is backcountry, as I say to my clients, that even a small problem with, with your knee mm. or something, when mm. you're in such a remote location, suddenly the situation can become quite serious. So enjoy the skiing, have a great fun, but just try and ski in a way that, you know, if you see a rock or suddenly a crevasse or whatever, do you know what I mean? So it's a different mindset. You're not on the piece now. And I think that's and, – and like because skis have got so good and there are so many uh, people that can, can ski backcountry, which is fantastic, mm. um, and it means all the guides are very busy. <laughs> but it's just also just slowing it down a little bit, having something in reserve so you're skiing in control. Um, and also people are starting to carry – well, if you ski touring, you have a bigger backpack. Yeah. So if you take a fall skiing with a pack on, then the injury could be a little bit worse as well. Yes. So I was going to talk about managing the group. So often when you're skiing, or if you're climbing, there's two of you or three of you, and you're tied on a rope. So it's everyone's close mm-hmm. together. But obviously when you go skiing, we've all been out with friends where there's no, yeah. not really a leader and everybody's yeah. – going off in different directions how how do you think what tips can you give to people about yeah kind of staying together both on the ascent on a ski tour yeah. 
and the descent because it's an important skill, isn't it? Yeah, trying uh, to keep people together is so important, and this is the things as well that is so hard to really make rules because all the slopes are different, all the valleys different. How to do or what to do? I mean, uh, on the way up, I think a lot of people, you know, it's the same when you do mountaineering. They just think about the summit. They don't know. Okay, I need also to save some energy for go back to the car. Yeah. You know, they give everything they the hell to reach the top, and then they are, you know, finished. Yeah. Finished, and then they don't <laughs> manage to go down. And the same. I mean, it's really nice to go up. Uh, you take your time, but you know, especially on the ski touring, sometimes when you ski down, unfortunately, there's no a change because it start to get warmer. For this, <clears throat> maybe it's a heavy snow. It's not always a powder snow, especially on on the touring when it's in spring. For this, you need to, like you said, take it easy, take your time, make some break. I think, especially for people that they go out touring, is the perfect time to enjoy the time in the mountain, to take your time, make a break, look around the different mountain, maybe start dreaming on, oh, wow, it would be nice to go next time to this mountain, you know. And how to lead a team is quite hard because everyone wants to ski according to the, the, the snow. But, you know, sometimes you don't see really what is under the snow, if it's a rock under the fresh snow or crevasse. Uh, personally, I remember when I was guiding me, if it's a glacier, of course, I ski in front. Everyone needs to stay in your slope, <coughs> in your track, sorry. It's quite boring sometimes, but it's safe. Then when it's open... No problem. You can say, okay, you know, now here you can enjoy. Yeah. Uh, depend on the side of the group. One thing that uh, if I have a few clients, I remember I spent a lot of time with uh, Barbara Edmond being with me in the mountain for ages. You know, you say, okay, Barbara, we are safe here. You can ski from here 100 meters, then you stop and I come. If I already checked that everything is safe and stuff like this. Because sometimes you can see this mountain guide or instructor, whatever, skiing because you really enjoy the first track, way down on the bottom of the slope, and then maybe a client fall in the middle of the slope, lost the ski, stuff like this. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. But this I remember, sometimes if I know that the, it's super safe, I use also to, it's also kind of nice for the client to take maybe the first track, and then yeah. you stay behind, and if something happens, you are there really fast to support them. Uh, but again, you need to be 100% safe or stuff like this. But Yeah, um, no. yeah it makes sense. Cause, uh, and I guess the other way, if you're skiing first, is to ski in short sections. So yes, yes, all the time. And then, I mean, then it's different when it's an exposed couloir, then, of course, you need to take short, then you need to put yourself in a safe position, then you ask to come. Uh, I used to work more and more, or before, with the uh, walkie-talkie. Okay, yeah. Uh, especially also on climbing, start to screaming on the mountain, raw, bah, bah, bah. you know, okay. sometimes I just, okay, ready, go. Yeah, yeah. And also with the, on the ski, it was quite nice because you can ski first and then they have the walkie-talkie on the shoulder strap and then you can say, okay, you are good, now you take it easy there. Go a little bit left, move on, you yeah, know. Nice. Sometimes I remember it was uh, really appreciated for some of the clients. But uh, again, 
you need to have a small group, otherwise you need to have 10 <laughs> walking yeah, talking. Yeah. <laughs> it will be quite tricky. But it's also yeah. nice for them to have uh, your voice close by if something happens, yeah. or just to make them a little bit more confident. Brilliant. Well, I would like to also chat a little bit with you um, about clothing, but before that, let's talk a little bit about Avalanche Safety Kit, because yeah. uh, I was in the Alps recently, and my... my uh, my nephew was there, good skier, you know, 18, 19. And I was, uh, my sister-in-law wanted me to talk to him about safety, you know, and things, uh, trying to sort of uh, educate the teenager. And it's amazing that, you know, that a lot of young folk are not necessarily, they're really great skiers, like you say, skis, the skis are now allowing them to ski in so much different terrain. But they haven't necessarily got that mindset of I need to wear a transceiver, I need to have a shovel, I need mm. to have a probe. And it's I mean, how important is that? I mean, I my rule was that I don't know about you, but every day I go out skiing, even when I'm not working, I would tend to take that stuff with me and a set of skins, because I'm skiing on touring skis, so that if I meet a friend or the snow changes, I want to ski that. And this is the trap we can fall into, isn't it? We go out thinking we're just gonna go on the piste. Then yeah. we meet an old friend, then yeah. suddenly we're in a couloir, mm. and it could be that you haven't got the right equipment. Yeah, no, no I totally agree. I mean, uh, it was the same for me. I mean, there is no, I mean, I always have my backpack, even if I ski with the girls, I have my backpack ready because uh, maybe some, I meet some friend that told me, okay, wow, on the other side, so good. Boom, the girls go with the uh, nonno yeah. <laughs> ski, and I just jump to the other side. But, um, I mean, shovel, probe, arva, or transceiver, basic to wearing every time. I remember, I mean, uh, most of the time in my backpack, I have an extra transceiver because, like you say, maybe it's really good condition or someone want to join, Ale, you have a transceiver. But I think most important is uh, now is, thanks God, most of the skier off-piste, they have the right equipment. I mean, shovel, probe, and transceiver. But my question is, how many of them they know how to use? For yeah. this, you can have every single thing, but if you don't know how to use in case, it's not good. And also, practice, yeah. practice is the key. I remember also so many times with my clients, if a bad weather, instead to cancel the day, say, Let's cancel the day. You don't have to pay me, but let's practice two hours, you know, transceiver. Yeah. Because it's also for your safety. Because, yeah, I mean, absolutely. basically, if something happened, is to the mountain guy, because we are the first one to cut the slope, to check the couloir and stuff like this. For this, we need also to rely on them. And, yeah. uh, you know, the problem is when then something happened, is super fast and under the pressure your brain will work totally different. For this, you know, to feel comfortable, to take some action, to use your equipment in the right way is so important. For this, I think one good tip that we should give to everyone that you want to enjoy the off-piste is say, practice anyway. Even on the beginning of the season, go with your friends, practice in the garden, you know, and then it will be you know, perfect, yeah, absolutely, you know, I would say, good time in the invest. Yeah. And, yeah, just talking a little bit more about avalanches, obviously, 
people listening, there might be people with a lot of experience, people with who are quite new to this, but um, when you're skiing as a guide, um, there are, I'm assuming there's lots of things that you're, you're thinking about. For example, if an avalanche does happen, okay, so this is the preparation, have I positioned my clients in a good place so they can see me? Okay, so this could be your friends, what we call vantage points in, in English. So you stood there. Um, so if they see something happens, that they at least know where it happened. Yeah. Also, when you're skiing the line, um, we uh, I don't know what it is in Italian, but we call like terrain traps. Yeah. So you're skiing in a way that you think, okay, even if a small avalanche happened, is it you know going to take me off a cliff or it's going to take me yeah. into a valley and then yeah. I'm going to be trapped there? So it's that kind of mind that you have day in, day out because of your experience. But people listening might need to, yeah, think about that kind of thing. So what I remember when I was an aspirant mountain guide, uh, the examiner or the more experienced guide would ask me, okay, imagine we're going to ski this line on the other side of the valley. Yeah. Show, show me where you would ski down okay. that face and why yeah. you would ski in that way. It's, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, but like we said before, we need to analyze all the time, you know. Uh, soon you approach the valley, soon you approach the mountain, closer to the couloir, you need to analyze the risk, what can go wrong, and how yeah. it will be safe in case. And like I said, yeah, maybe, you know, also, this is perfect time when you take a break with your clients, you know, sometimes you see that they are start to get tired, you don't want them to feel, oh, my God, we need to stop because you are so slow. You can stop and just, okay, but no, you see, if in the future, if you are here, think about this and that. For this, you know, you combine the break and the educational part. You can share some of your knowledge. Absolutely. And yeah. like this also, they start to understand when they see you in the mountain, and they see you that you go in this direction a little bit and stop and go back. They understand the reason why behind. And then, you know, as well, if they you share all these things with them, they understand why they hire a mountain guy, why they, you know, spend time with you. Yeah. But the avalanche Sorry. is crazy because uh, <clears throat> it's so interesting because, uh, I mean, we can get so many information, but uh, until you're not in the slope, you don't know. Absolutely, yeah. Let's talk a bit about... I was going to talk about kit, uh, more like, um, you know, packs and clothing. Remind yeah. me of your, your role at e Equip, yeah. what you look after at RAB and Low Alpine. Yeah, uh, I'm head of design for this. I am uh, have a team uh, bought from the equipment with the Low Alpine packs and the RAB packs and then apparel for the RAB clothing. Uh, basically, I help the design team to provide, to create the best gear to enjoy the time up on the mountain. But this basically, I support the team on the daily job with, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, feedback and uh, help them to just create the best product and also to be sure that we are on track on what uh, is required from the market. Um, yeah, I have a really good job. Yo, uh, the yeah, I, I mean the range this year is 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 is, is very special and some sharp colors. No. How do you how do you choose the colors, by the way? Yeah, the color. Oh my God, is on. Who decides <laughs> that we're all going to be wearing marmalade this year? Yes. Oh my God. 
Please tell me if you understood the answer because this is a one it's million a mystery. dollar. It's a mystery. Yeah. As you know, we work two years ahead of the season. So this is yeah. a huge gamble because already now we decide the color for the summer 25. Yeah. For this, and no one knows what it will be the color for the next season. So this is a lot of feedback, working really close with our country manager to see some trends on the market. Uh, then, of course, I mean, for Rob, we want to be, a, I mean, we are super good outdoor mountaineering brand. For this also there, we know already that we need to use some uh, color that they are safe in the mountain. For this, you are visible when you're out. Some color that perhaps you will be a little bit more tonal because maybe you want to be a little bit discreet when you go outside the, the, the mountain or something like this. For this, we need to create different color palette that they can yeah. easily appeal all the different customer. Yeah, makes for sense. This, yeah, for this, I mean, there's a lot of uh, feedback from the country, research. Uh, there is some platform on the market where you can get some uh, trends, but uh, yeah. these trends is more rely on the fashion industry than not the outdoor. Of course. So what about, because obviously I think it's fantastic that, that you know, you all your knowledge from uh, skiing and climbing and being a mountain guide is, is going into the clothing. I think that's so special. Um, mm. But if somebody was starting to go backcountry skiing uh, or, or get into it or yeah. wondering about what to wear, I'm trying to think of the like early season, maybe skiing off lifts, maybe you know when it's cold in January, and then later we can talk uh, about the end of the season when we're touring and it's warming up. So what do yeah, you tend spring. to... I mean, one thing that <clears throat> a simple thing is, where do you wear like a warm jacket under the shell, over the shell? How do you go about that? According to the region where you live, you have different way how to wear uh, cl- uh, yeah. wearing your clothes. Uh, basically, on the ski, let's say if we start the season ski, uh, we are now the company for this. We want to to teach and to learn our customer wearing layering for this we yeah. have from the base layer until the insulation layer and everything work really good together for this uh, basic we have some uh, for ski i would say base layer is the basic to have then according where you have we have a kind of mid layer pants or maybe some short insulation pants that you can wear under your shell yeah. but it's on the beginning of the season i think shell pants is good because also the snow is much deeper, it's fresh for this. I mean, you get more protection from the element. And then on the top, again, you say the layering the same with the base layer, mid layer. Perhaps if it's a little bit cold, you have a vest or something under the shell. Then you can have like a insulation. Then it depends because if it's really cold, perhaps you want to have a synthetic insulation under the shell jacket. Synthetic yeah. because, you know, it's easy to also breathe. It can always perform even if you get wet and stuff like this. Otherwise, you can have perhaps a down jacket in your backpack. And when you stop, then you can cover and you can even put over your shell jacket if it's a big one. Otherwise, you can have different, uh, um, we say, thickness of the jacket that you can, if it's really cold, put underneath. Uh, in the spring, is this different? Uh, because the snow is uh, compact, maybe you just have some corn snow, 
few centimeters for this, maybe in thermal pants, it starts also to get warmer. Maybe soft shell pants, there is a good enough. And presumably, when obviously, we know when you're touring, you're working hard uphill. So yeah, it's almost exactly. an extreme. One minute you're working hard, especially in spring. So you need to be able to ventilate the pants. That's exactly. a crucial thing, isn't it? Um, and then obviously, I'm just thinking of a classic tour in the Agri Rouge in Chamonix, where you're in the sun and you're working hard. Mm. Then when you arrive uh, in the col before you ski, suddenly it's completely different, freezing. Uh, and you're not working so hard. Uh, and, and so it's trying to have your clothing to cover all that. Exactly. And this is why it's important to manage to change your clothes and, uh, you know, lay in a different way. Uh, this is basically also what is the big difference. On the beginning of the season, you chase a fresh snow. You want to ski powder. For this already, you stay maybe on the north side of the mountain because it, there is where it's colder, the snow is nicer to ski and then you need more protection in the touring is opposite you maybe wake up in the night but soon you start moving your body create a lot generate a lot of heat you start to get warmer and also when you ski is already afternoon is warm but of course sometimes like you say you end up in some valley where it's narrow in the shadow and then you need to protect yourself especially after that you have sweat all day you get much faster cold but this is also one thing that is important, especially now that we have some uh, down jacket or synthetic jacket that are so small to have always in the bottom of your uh, backpack as an emergency is also good uh, advice because you never know if you need to wait someone like this, you can put on something to protect you. Yeah, good. Yeah, great advice. And I'm just thinking about packs as well because uh, you see a lot of people who ski tour for the first time and their pack is just... I mean, they bring almost like, a, I don't know, a, a small pack and it's it's not stable to carry the ski. So that's important, mm -hmm. isn't it? When yeah. you're, I mean, it sounds really obvious, but a good system, um, maybe for compartmentalizing your uh, yeah. avalanche equipment yeah. so you know where it is, you can get to it quickly, um, and then a, a good way of, of, of attaching the skis to the pack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That then, I mean, we have different packs, and uh, we have specific packs for touring. Where exactly is really important to have external avalanche pocket where you can easily access to your shovel and probe in case of emergency. Uh, but then as well, you can attach your ski diagonal on a frame when maybe you need to walk over the couloir because sometimes it's so steep that you cannot wear in your skis you know, on, you need to just sit on the back. So this is really important okay. as well, like you said. Jacko, it's been great to chat. One final point. So, I mean, obviously you're from Cormier, originally born and bred. Yeah. Uh, that's, where your, that's where your journey started. Yes. Is that one of your favourite places still to ski? Yes. I think this is not uh, my favourite because, oh my God, uh, of course, is my love is I, I grown up there i think this is my favorite because i know every single corner i'm imagining there's just been a great powder dump and it's busy in Cormier. you are the man to find yeah a secret place yeah i would imagine you know, <laughs> yeah and i would imagine you know where the good wine and the good lunch is yeah and the coffee oh my god yes yeah yes and it's the beauty of uh, skiing in uh, italy there is always good food also on the slope you to oh wait. yeah, amazing. Oh, I mean, we used to, when I was an aspirant guide, we used to 
the older guides would joke about where we were going with the clients and people would say well, it doesn't really matter as long as we're in Italy if we're going to the hut because <laughs> oh my god yes they take even in a mountain hut for people who are listening who might not have been ski touring and and I'm, I, of course there are good huts in in in, in yeah. Switzerland and France as well but in Italy they just make so much effort mm. on the whole on you know, food, coffee. Uh, I mean, some huts you're like, wow, they have beer on draft out of a yeah. tap yeah. on the edge of a glacier. Like, you know, these guys are not messing about. Um, mm-hmm. And you're always uh, made to feel so welcome uh, yeah. as well. So, yeah, I think it's that's the Italian way, isn't it? Yeah, but the thing also is, uh, unfortunately, we are being always in the shadow of a Chamonix. Everyone know. I mean, if I say, where are you from? Courmayeur. Ah, no, I don't know. Do you know Chamonix? Of course, on the other side. For me, since we've been always on the shadow, uh, we need to, or things, the tourist people need to make more effort on be sure to keep the client that they come. You know, Chamonix, if you're not happy, behind you, there is a queue of people that will always go to Chamonix game. In this small valley, also in the Piemonte Valley, you know, Susa, this small valley, they don't have the luxury to have so many tourists all the time. But it's when they have some tourists, they really need to take care of them, That's to support them. For this, uh, this is also why it's so nice also to go a little bit outside the famous ski resort or the big valley, because you can see also really passionate people that they maybe put all the love and they share all the passion from the mountain with only a few people that they go and visit them. It's a good it's point. Nice. I, I always like to I always like to remind people that the steepest climbing, the hardest routes on Mont Blanc, it's all on the Italian side. And obviously so much history there. I mean I remember reading all the books, you know, Bonatti and yeah. Uh, yeah. Cassin. Uh, um, exactly. a lot of yeah. I mean is a the south face of Mont Blanc is a Himalayan face almost. It's yeah. a huge yeah, yeah, it's yeah huge. huge. Yeah. Jacko, it's been fantastic to chat. Yeah. Thanks so much. Same to you. Um, Looking forward to see it again with yeah. you and chat. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been your host, Andy Cave, and you've been listening to the Rab Mountain People podcast. To keep up to date and to hear more interviews like this, don't forget to subscribe 